This is not what I was initially planning on teaching today. I was going to do a teaching from 1 Kings, but I was, uh, as I was driving back on the two-hour drive, I really felt um, the Lord leading me to teach on prayer. Um, prayer is the most um, powerful tool that God has given us as believers. Your time of prayer... I say is the most important thing in a Christian's life. If you were to press me and ask me between reading the Bible and prayer, which one is more important, I would tell you prayer. I know that sounds a little dangerous, but I would tell you honestly, if I were to pick, they're both important, but if I were to pick one, I would tell you pray. Because, uh, the reason for that is because of the so many people I know who have Bible knowledge, but then lives are not transformed. It tells you that something more than teaching is required. Uh, something more than um, knowledge is required. It has to be, um, it, it is prayer. And so, I, there was, um, there was a, 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 there was an island um, in the Pacific that, had a volcano, and one day that volcano blew up, uh, and it, the magnitude of the blast, the power of that blast was just so powerful and so strong, it wiped out the island from the map completely, and it was the loudest sound ever heard on earth ever. The sound caused sound waves that went around the earth eight times. Um, the, the shock waves went around, the, like um, barometers all around the world registered the change in pressure eight times because of the sound of that thing. It was a demonstration of power from nature. But in prayer, we have something more powerful than that. It is power that is greater than the power of any, um, of any president or king or queens or army. It's a power that can change things that men and human beings cannot change. And I want to talk about that very simple message, and then I want us to pray. And I want to talk about two aspects of prayer. It's really going to be in three verses, to, um, in three or four verses today. So we're going to be in um, Genesis chapter 25 from verse 19 to verse 23. Genesis is easy. It is the first book of the Bible. So you can't miss it. This is the account of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padan Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. 
The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you will be separated. One will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So, you have a young man, um, Isaac, who waits on the Lord and he gets married to this woman, Rebecca. And everything is going well, and then lo and behold, once they're married, they realize they have a problem. She's barren and she cannot have children. It's one of those surprises of life that came to them. That's not what they were intending. That's not what they expected when they got married. But it ended up being one of those surprises that life brings to us. So, in general, because we live in a broken world, life can sometimes have surprises. There are problems that occur in life, um, not because anybody did anything wrong, but just because we live in a broken world. Sometimes there are issues because somebody sinned, someone did something bad, so God is bringing judgment in that situation. But that's not always the case. Sometimes we veer off and we go off a path that God did not intend for us and we end up suffering on that path. But that's not always the case. That's not always the reason. Sometimes it's simply because we live in a fallen world. There is also a devil who is at work and sometimes he causes issues as well. And because of that, life can have surprises, unpleasant surprises. So here, Isaac and Rebecca, they have an unpleasant surprise, and they found out that Rebecca is barren and she cannot have children. Now, there are some interesting things to note about Isaac and Rebecca here. Um, so it says that Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebecca, the daughter of Bethuel. The Aramean, the Aramean. So that story is in the previous chapter, in chapter 24, where it shows how Rebecca and Isaac came together. It was in the will of God. Isaac and Rebecca were meant to be together. It is the one story in the Bible, other than Adam and Eve, where we know for a fact a man and a woman came together in the will of God. So they were not, this was not an issue where Isaac and Rebekah made a mistake. They were at the center of God's will. Um, Isaac didn't have to wonder if he had married the wrong woman. So when they had gotten married, it's, we don't know how many years this was. Um, how, we, you know, we, we, we don't know uh, how long it took for them to realize that they were barren and that they did not, they, they, were, they, had, they had a problem. We don't know how many years it took them to figure that out. But um, Isaac didn't have to wonder, well, did I marry the wrong woman? Maybe, maybe this was wrong. So he, he did not have that. He, they knew for sure. We have a whole chapter in chapter 
in Genesis 24, that confirms to us this was God's will for them to get together. A lot of people get together and they don't know whether it's God's will or not. This is a case where they knew they were meant for each other by the, by the will of God. However, despite that, they're having a problem. Okay? So it's not that every time we're in the center of God's will that we will not have problems. There are some people who teach a gospel like that. Come to Jesus Christ, you're a Christian, and you seek the Lord, you walk with God, and your life will have no heartaches and no issues. That's not true. Here are two people who are the center of God's will. Isaac is a godly man, and we know from Rebecca's description that she was a woman who walked in purity, who had great character, so there's, there's, no, there's no sin there, there's no issue there. Um, they're walking at the center of God's will, but they have a problem. At the center of God's will, as a healthy, growing Christian, walking with the Lord, your life may have unpleasant circumstances. You may face problems, issues, such as this one. It literally could be this issue that you can't have children. It could be some other issues, some other health issues, some financial problems. It could be... Um, some other, some other thing going on, disorder at your job, uh, disorder in your family, something may be going on, but it, is, but it is a problem that has come into your life even though you are at the center of God's will. I often like to think about the fact that when the disciples were in the boat, they and the storm came, it was Jesus who told them to get in the boat and go. They didn't do anything wrong. They obeyed. And they went on the lake, and a storm catches up with them. So that was being in the storm at the center of God's will. So in life, there are some those kinds of storms that will happen to us, even though we're the center of God's will. Now, there's the other kind of storm, such as what happens with Jonah, when it happens because we're running away from God, we're walking in disobedience. But we have to be careful not always to assume that someone did something wrong and that's why XYZ is happening. That's very short-sighted and it's not scriptural. You know, Christians like to take extremes. Something happened, must be somebody did something wrong. Or something happened, well, nobody did something wrong. No, you have to seek the Lord and find out which one is which. It could be either. Okay, so that's my, that's my whole point there. Not only did Isaac and Rebekah were there in the center of God's will, Isaac had a promise because God told his father that through Isaac he would give him more descendants. So how's that going to happen now that Rebekah is barren and can't have children? So Isaac had a promise, not only knows that he's in the will of God, he's married the right woman, but he also knows that my dad received the promise from God that through me he will give him more descendants. So in a situation where there is a center of God's will and there is the promise of God, you still have a problem that occurs, an unpleasant surprise that happens to them. So just because God made you a promise, just because God said, go here, go do that, doesn't mean it's going to be straightforward or easy. Just because God is calling you to do a ministry or tells you, and you are the center of God's will, you're doing everything, it doesn't mean it's going to be a cakewalk and it's going to be easy. It's not. You know, I did, God called Paul to preach the gospel very clearly. 
But at the end of his life, he did not say, I, I danced a good dance or I walked a nice walk. He said, I fought a good fight. God called him. He was at the center of God's people. Many, it was a lifelong fight. He had to fight and fight and fight and fight. There were all kinds of things that happened to him. So even with God's promise, with God at the center of God's people, you can still have issues. You can still have unpleasant circumstances. But, however... Just because it's normal to have these unpleasant circumstances does not mean we have to accept or resign ourselves to our circumstances. Does that make sense? You can't just say, okay, well, it's a broken world. What do we do? Yeah, there's something you can do. You can pray. There's something that you can do. You can pray. And this is the whole point of this. Uh, Again, believers tend to get into these attitudes where it's like, you know, well, God is sovereign and um, he can do whatever he wants and you know what to do. We're in a broken world. People are going to get sick. They're going to die. Teenagers are going to rebel and walk away from the Lord. What to do? No, that's not true. That's almost like saying, well, there's no God. God we, the world is broken and so there's no God. What, what to do? That's not true. There is a God in the picture, and that changes everything. There is the reality that we're in a broken world, the reality that there is a devil who causes all kinds of issues. There's a reality that we're in a world that produces thorns and thistles and heat and mosquitoes and all kinds of things because of the fall. That's one reality, but there's the other reality that there is a God who is almighty, who is seated on the throne, and who has power. That's also true. And the thing that brings God Almighty into our circumstances of our broken world is prayer. So when Isaac re realized that, you know, well, we have a problem here, the Bible says he prayed. He prayed. In the very first book of the Bible here in Genesis, you start to already learn that lesson, that there is such a thing as prayer, we can turn to God. Isaac probably learned it from his father, that there is a God in heaven. When you're in trouble, turn to him, he will answer you. And tonight, I'm telling you a very simple message here tonight. Whatever it is your circumstances are, there is a God in heaven. Now, this was something where Isaac couldn't help the situation. There was no one who could help him. No one could fix this for him and for her. There was only one person who could help, that was God. And God will allow you and me to get into circumstances where there is no help from man that will help. God will allow you and I to enter into circumstances where nobody can help us but God. Have you recognized when you're in situations like that? Often what happens is that when we have a problem, we get on the phone, we start calling people, we start calling our aunties, our friends, our whoever, and but we have to learn to remind us that, you know what, no, this, in this situation here, only God can help. 
There are questions only God can answer. You can get all the counseling you want. But there are things that only God can tell you. What should you study in school? And so forth. I'm going to get to that in a, in a moment. I'm going to come back to that in, in a moment. But this is the first aspect of prayer here. We need to learn to take our issues and our problems to God and to wrestle with God and to pray and to seek Him until God gives us the miraculous answer. The Christian faith is a miraculous faith. God is a miraculous. Everything about the Christian faith is miraculous. The virgin birth, the resurrection, wherever God is truly at work, miracles happen. Where miracles have stopped, it's because God has stopped working. In every place where God is truly at work, there are things that happen that can be explained in no other way than this is the hand of God. And God will allow you and I to be um, in, that, in that situation. You know, I, I was at a retreat um, during the long weekend, and I was meditating on the, um, on the dedication of the temple. It just happens to be where I am in my reading through the Bible. I happen to be in First in Kings. And it's really struck me because when you think of the temple, um, if you're familiar with the Bible, and you think of the temple that Solomon built, which Pastor Steve was talk, has been talking about from um, uh, Second Chronicles, you often think of the temple, the temple is the place where you offer sacrifices, or the temple is the place where people worship and so forth. But in Solomon's prayer of dedication of the temple, I don't have time to get into it. If I wasn't teaching this, I might have d done that, perhaps that. But his whole dedication of the temple is all about prayer, when, a when your people have lost a battle, but they turn towards this temple and pray, give them victory. When they're taken captive to a foreign land, but they turn towards this temple and they pray, hear from heaven and bring them back. When there has been no rain and famine in the land and your people pray towards this temple, hear from heaven and bring the rain. It's all about prayer. It's almost like the goal purpose of the temple was prayer. It really struck me because I never thought of the temple like that. And he even says, when the foreigners come here, so that people all over the world will know that you are the one true God, when the foreigner comes here and he prays at this temple, answer him, so people will know that you are the true God. It's all about prayer. It's almost as if to say, one of the ways that God wants to demonstrate to the whole world that he is the true God, that you and I worship the true God, is by the way he answers our prayers. So answers to prayers is not just for you and me. It's part of the testimony that God wants us to have to the world. And so uh, I, I want to encourage you not to have this attitude where we resign ourselves to our problems and we say, we have no choice. The Bible says you do not have because you do not ask. There are things that God will want to do, but that he does not do because no one is asking persistently about those things.
And this is where spiritual laziness is a killer because the spiritually lazy do not pray. They rather say, I'm just trusting the Lord. I'm letting go and I'm letting God, something like that. I get it. It's an expression. I really don't like that expression, by the way, to be honest with you. I don't like hearing it. Most of the time I hear it, it's not in a good context. I'm not saying it's not true. But, I mean, let go in terms of let go of human methods to solve your problem, but please do pray. Uh, don't let go of by not praying and saying, well, we'll just let it be and see what happens. That's not true. You have a a child who's running wild, who's running, well, just don't say, well, you know, that's what happened. No, start to pray. Cry out to the Lord. Uh, start a spiritual war. De de declare war that you, you know, no, say no way. I, I heard a pastor who says uh, you had a child who was, was rebellious and, and walked, walked away um, from, 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 the, from the Lord. And, and he, say he was talking to another pastor, and the other pastor was saying, you know, it's just... just She's just going to be like that. It's not going to change. He said he hung up the phone and he said, over my dead body. <laughs> and he hung up the phone and said, no way, that's not going to happen. Over my dead body. And he began to pray, to call on the Lord. And God brought the, the daughter back. And, and it, it was a battle, it was a fight, but prayer does work. And so the Bible says here that Isaac prayed on behalf of his of his wife, Rebecca. It doesn't even say that Rebecca prayed. It says Isaac prayed for her. What a blessing it is to have a husband who prays for you. This is something, sisters, this is something, if you're single, sisters, this is something you should want. Here is when you're in trouble, somebody who can pray for you and God actually does answer his prayers. And so he prayed for Re Rebecca, and the Bible says God the Lord answered his prayer. The Lord answered his prayer. Sometimes we have in the Bible prayers that an individual prays and God answers them, but we also have prayers where people pray for somebody else and God answers them. The Bible says um, in the New Testament that there were some friends who brought their friend who was paralyzed, they brought him to Jesus. The Bible said when Jesus saw not the faith of the man who was uh, paralyzed, but the faith of his friends, Jesus healed the person. And so our faith for other people does matter. Prayer, that's the amazing thing about prayer. It's not just for you, but we can pray for others. You see, uh, Abraham, Isaac turned to the Lord. He didn't blame, uh, he didn't start a, a blaming game where he blamed his wife, or, why are you like this? Or, you know, he didn't start saying, you know, why did my dad go choose this person? person for me, uh, you know, should I have done somebody? He didn't engage in that. He turned to the Lord. Uh, oftentimes we complain about people, we complain about circumstances, but we're not turning to the Lord, the one thing that we're not doing. The Bible says she became pregnant, and God answered beyond what they were asking. There were two babies there. Okay? She went from being barren to carrying twins. Okay? That's what happens when people pray. Do you hear something that I've learned about the Lord? This is not theory. This is something I've experienced in my own personal life. Okay? Listen to me closely. Okay? 
God is a good God. He is a generous God. He longs to be gracious to people. When you go to God and you ask him, God, I need $10, he'll most likely give you 15 I have experienced that in my own life. It's why often when somebody asks me for something, I rarely give them just exactly what they ask me. Or I usually give them more because that's the way God has treated me. I'm telling you the truth. Um, that's the way God has dealt with me. When I've needed something, I've gone to the Lord. He always gives more than you ask. I mean, I'm just not saying in terms of quantity, in terms of the quality of what God gives, he always gives more. 